All right. So for the final men of destiny, Pastor David, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk to you about what I call the Job 31 man. The Job 31 man. And um, I, what I found is, is that um, when I was a single young man, when I was a single young man, um, I spent a lot of time studying the Proverbs 31 woman. And I knew exactly what I wanted her to look like. I knew the dimensions. I knew I, I <laughs> part Mother Teresa, part Wonder Woman. <laughs> I had it all figured out in my head. And I had my scriptures and I had my faith confessions. I had all of that. And then I realized that there was a piece of it that depended upon the kind of man that I was so that I could qualify for the woman that God wanted to bring in my life. And I realized that I spent more time figuring out what she should be doing than what I should be doing. And I figured out that I had that kind of out of balance. And when I figured out how to get that in balance, things start to work for me. And so um, the Job 31 man is something that uh, is very uh, significant to me. And so I want to encourage you on that one. Now for the sake of review, because this is our final one, I want to remind you of the common traits of men of destiny. Now, these pillar principles came from uh, my late bishop, Bishop Ben Jabert. May he rest in heaven, um, but the work continues and God is still raising uh, and defining men. And so I want to encourage you with these as we go forward. So we say valor, um, we call them here men of destiny. His term was men of valor and, and, and his definition of valor still had something to do with destiny. It is the ability to stand in the boldness of God when facing the enemies of God and obstacles in the path of destiny. That you are, you are a man who has valor when you can look difficulty in the face and still be bold with it. Amen? All right. Then there's courage. Courage is the boldness to face life and the pursuit of destiny with steadfast confidence in God and in his word. So I want to be a person in the midst of everything that's going on that I can face life with boldness. Right. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Chivalry. Chivalry is to govern all relationships by the word of God, especially relationship with women. All right. What does the word have to say about how I interact with women? OK. Ability. Ability is to have ever-increasing personal skill enabled by grace, wisdom, and principles of God's word to reach destiny, to display excellence, and to build the kingdom of God. These are all the things that God wants to put in your life. Now, listen, it takes a lifetime to do this, you know, so uh, don't take an overnight bag for this trip. I'm just saying. OK, this is this 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 is a life pursuit. And that's why it's really important that we go through this. And this is why having this stuff uh, on and, and putting it on YouTube so you can go back and feed on this continuously. Right. These kind of messages could take you a lifetime to walk out. And um, in in the spirit, in the spirit of communion, communion says that when I come to take the bread and the wine, 
that I judge myself. So I'm always grading myself and seeing where am I at, where am I against these pillar principles? If this is the measuring stick, how am I measuring up? And that changes over time. Sometimes I have some ups, sometimes I have some downs, but the general arc of my life should be ever increasing. The path of the just shines brighter and brighter to the perfect day. And then the last one is substance. Substance is to manifest mastery over what God has entrusted to you such that our families, churches, and even generations beyond us have covenant prosperity. I, I know that there are people that will talk about, okay, like, you know, money's the root of all evil. Hold up, hold up, bro. Hold up. Just read the scripture right. I mean, if you're going to take, if you're going to quote it, don't misquote it. He said the love of money, number one. Also understand that what God wants to do for you, whatever assignment is going to take, you having some level of substance to get your work done, whatever work he called you to do. Now, I tell people, um, it takes more money to build a Hummer than it does a Hot Wheels car. So if your assignment is there, then prosperity is just enough to do that. But if your assignment is here, then it's going to take some more to get that assignment done. And I just want to have the resource and the mastery of it to do whatever God's called me to do. Right. And when you got enough to do what he's called you to do, by definition, you are prosperous. All right. So to determine am I prosperous, I have to first determine what my assignment is. And then what resources are necessary for my assignment? And I'm supposed to have enough to do that assignment, enough to save something, help um, for future generations, enough to sow into other people's assignment, and enough to just enjoy. And when I got all those areas covered, then by heaven's definition, I am prosperous. Somebody say, man, you got that. All right. All right, so... We talked about this and you'll go back if you go back into our podcast and into our YouTube channel, you'll see these uh, foundational teachings um, called it fist. Actually, it's two fists with an S. Right. So let's go on. See, see the definitions that we're talking about, that our foundational teachings are on faithfulness, integrity, stewardship, trust. And sexual integrity. And when we talked about sexual integrity, we talked specifically about this thing, this phenomenon called the strange woman. Now, it's a man of destiny. So, you know, for all of the ladies that's watching, I'm not in the women haters club. I'm just saying brothers that's going to do it right have to find out there are some sisters that want you to do it wrong. Now, scripture also tells you that there is a strange man. And that they creep in the house of silly women. Interestingly, the strange man captures silly women. The strange woman captures silly men. Go back in Proverbs 7, it'll tell you that. But there is 
a man of valor and a woman of virtue that live above that plane that we're trying to get to. Right. So there's actually those three phases in Scripture. I just want you to because God is a God of threes. Right. And so I found that there was silly women, strange woman and then the woman of virtue. Okay. Um, Silly men, strange men, men of destiny. All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. I got some core scriptures. Show my sheet with the core scriptures media. And it says, Psalm 84, 11 says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. These were the two scriptures when I was a single man believing for God to give me my good thing. This is the scriptures that I use. I thought these were good scriptures. Hallelujah. It worked out for me. I believe it'll work out for you. Now look at Proverbs 18, 22. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So the upright man pre-qualifies for the virtuous woman. Got that? No good thing will he withhold from him who walks uprightly. So my, the principle, if I'm going to claim the promise that I'm, I'm going to obtain favor and God's going to give me the virtuous woman, the woman of my dreams, then my the, the promise is, um, if that's the promise, the principle is then I got to be a person who walks uprightly because he won't withhold a good thing from me if I'm walking uprightly. All right. And then I made that last statement. Look at that last bullet one more time. You've heard of the Proverbs 31 woman, but have you ever heard of the Job 31 man? Now, this just changed my life. And so I'm going to walk you up to the Job 31 man. But let's start. Let's start at, uh, you can show them my, my outline of the next one. We're going to just look at Job chapter one. We're going to see him. We're going to see Job chapter two. And then we're going to look at Job chapter 29, a verse from chapter 30. And then we'll go into chapter 31. All right. So let's, let's uh, go at Job chapter one, one through 12. Praise the Lord. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Um, Uz was a land that was established. If you go back in um, after the flood, after the, the Tower of Babel, you'll see Uz as a land that came out of that. Job may have been this. Some, some scholars believe because of where that is, that this is the oldest book in the Bible. So he didn't have the same covenant as as Abraham and so on. He didn't have all of that. He had just heard about God and just wanted to serve him. Somehow in the languages dispersing, he still heard that they were about the true God. And he was like, I'm following him. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And this man was blameless and upright. There's that upright thing again. He was blameless and upright, one who feared God. He had reverence from God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. So he was wealthy, but he was still righteous. Okay, 
So money can't, doesn't have to determine whether or not you live right. Right? Having too much money can't be a sin because he had all of this and your Bible called him blameless and upright. Verse four, and his son would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, because he had seven sons. So each one had one day of the week and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did regularly. Now, there was a day when the sons of God, talking about angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Peter tells us that he's walking back, seeking whom he can devour. Right. Because he goes about like a roaring lion to and fro, seeking whom he may devour, right? That was the unstated thing there. His purpose was not the same as the other angels. The angels were going to help somebody. He was going to hurt somebody, right? That's scripture. Y'all know that, right? And when he's seeking who he may devour, let's look at verse eight. Verse, yeah, verse eight. Seeking whom he may devour. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? You looking for somebody? Let me just throw a name at you. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, <laughs> heard that with friends like you, you don't need enemies. Okay, it's not like that. Okay, but come on, let's just watch. Okay. Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on earth. A blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Now, listen, this is God's testimony of Job. Job isn't saying this. God is saying this. Okay. So, Pastor, why are you telling me that? Because when I get to Job 31 and he describes his principles of integrity, you know he was doing them because God said he was doing them in the first chapter. Okay. Verse nine. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his house, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. And his possessions have increased in the land. And so one of the things I do when I'm praying a blessing, you'll see me say. His blessing is a wall around you like it was for Job. He had a blessing wall around him. That Satan recognized it wasn't visible, but there was a force field around him and all of his stuff. OK, I'm a sci fi guy. Can you tell? Um, there was a blessing around him and they knew it and the devil could see it. In the spirit realm, it was visible. All right. Um, verse 11. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now we're skipping over to chapter two. After this, all of the bad stuff happened and he didn't curse God. You guys know that piece, right? Um, chapter two, starting at verse one, and we'll read to verse seven. Faithfulness under adversity is what I call this section. 
And it says, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servants Job? There is none like him on the on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And he still holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spares life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. All right. Now let's get down to chapter 29. Most people know this piece, but um, let's get down to chapter 29 and then we'll go all the way to chapter 30, verse 1, and then we'll skip over to Job chapter 31. All of this is background, okay, but it's really important. We'll read this pretty fast. But, um, and when we get to verses 12 through 17, watch how Job used his prosperity for good. Money, oftentimes it's been said, money is an amplifier. I have a voice, but this microphone system amplifies my natural voice. It takes whatever I say and makes it louder and stronger and able to reach more. It even turns sound waves into electrical signals that can be communicated across multiple media. Money is an amplifier. Whatever your character is, gets amplified. If you have bad character, money amplifies that and you can do much bad with it. But if you can maintain good character, if you can maintain your valor, your courage, your chivalry, and ability, then the substance can only help you do whatever God's called you to do. All right, let's look at it. And then watch when we get down to verses 12 through 17. Okay, Job further continued his discourse and said, Oh, that it was, oh, that I were as in days past, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head. And when by his light, I walked through the darkness, just as I was in the days of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent, when the almighty was yet with me, when my children were around, around me, when my steps were bathed with cream and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me. When I went out to the gate by the city, when I took my seat in the open square, the young men saw me and hid and the aged arose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and put their hand on their mouth. The voice of the nobles was hushed and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard it, then it blessed me. When the eye saw, then it approved of me. Now look at verses 12 through 17. Because I delivered the poor who cried out, the fatherless and the one who had no helper, the blessing of the perishing man came upon me and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put righteousness, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind. I was feet to the lame. I was father to the poor and I searched out the cause that I did not know. 
I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victims from his teeth. That dude was doing a bunch of, listen, like, <laughs> it's rare that people that are empowered by a system will, will be the activists in the system that they're empowered by. But Job was, wasn't he? I'm just saying. Okay, so, so I want to talk, I mean, when Jah considered Job's integrity, these were the things he was considering, just so we clear. All right, look at verse 18. Then I said, I shall die in my nest and, my, and multiply my days as the sand. My root is spread out to the waters and dew lies all night on my branch. My glory is fresh within me and my, my bow is renewed in my hand. Men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After my words, they did not speak again and my speech settled down on them as dew. They waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as for the spring rain. If I mocked at them, they did not believe it, and the light of my countenance they did not cast down. I chose the way for them and sat as chief, so I dwelt as a king in the army, as one who comforts mourners. Job was like, listen, man, I was large and in charge. That's what the King David version would say. He was like, I was rolling. Now, I was rolling, but I wasn't trying to roll over people. I was still watching myself to make sure that I was doing right. Even though there was nobody that was equal with me, I still wasn't using my position. I wasn't using my pulpit as a bully pulpit. I wasn't bullying people just because I could. Now, one of the things, Job had all of this kind of thing. Now, I'm going to give you, just look at verse 1. It's a stewardship lesson out of chapter 30, verse 1, um, that I, I just want you to, I can't pass this point because it's an important one for me, all right? And it says, verse 30, verse 1, but now they mock at me, men younger than I, watch this statement, whose fathers I disdain to put with the dogs of my flock. He was like, listen, these dudes, <laughs> you're going to read the rest of chapter 30. He was like, these were just, these was just the people that run around. They were nobodies. They were coming from nobody. Um, they fathers, if they needed a job, I'd be like, man, I wouldn't even want to put, keep them not, not with my flock, but with the dogs that keep my flock. And now these dudes is bucking up on me. And, and you can read the rest of that in chapter 30. And it's, it's worth reading just because you can see where Job was and the difficulty that he was facing. He went from a place of complete community prosperity to being the laughingstock. Everybody who, who secretly hated his wealth, when he lost it, then they all came out. Because if you really want to know you know, how people really feel about you. You can't figure it out when your money rolling. Wait till the money stop. Then you'll know for sure where your friends are. I'm just saying, okay? And so now all of the stuff people was feeling but was too scared to do, now they bold and big and bad enough to do. All right. Now, um, go back to my outline. We'll just, we'll walk through these things that we'll see. And uh, let's just go to, to, to page 10, 11, and 12, so I can just give them the outline, and then we'll go through it. Next one. 
Okay, so we'll see in Job 31, we'll see his sexual integrity and in thought in verses one through four. We'll see his personal integrity versus 58, sexual integrity in action, verses nine through 12, labor relations in verses 13 through 15, charitable donations in chapters, verses 16 through 20, equity and justice in the courts in verses 21 through 23. We'll see his possessing wealth, but not being deceived by riches in verses 24 through 28 not wishing ill on his enemy, which I call witchcraft in verse 29 through 30. A lot of people praying bad stuff happen to people. That's witchcraft. Okay. Verses 31 through 32, you will see his kindness to staff, the people that reported to him and strangers. Verses 33 through 34, how his holiness and civic righteousness, righteousness in the public square, despite public opinion. Verses 35 through 37, we see his appeal to the creator and then verses 38 through 40, we'll see his fairness in dealing with business partners and good stewardship over property. And then in Job chapter 43, we'll see the end after God turns his captivity. All right. So let's go back. Let's look at it. Job 31. Um, we're going to read the whole chapter because I want you to know what it means to be a Job 31 man. Hallelujah. Okay. So let's look at verses one through four. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? For what is the allotment of God from above and the inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is it not destruction for the wicked and disaster for the workers of iniquity? Does he not see my ways and count all my steps? Job said, listen, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Now, the thing about... The, the covenant, covenant, um, that word means a cutting. When Abraham made a cut, covenant, he cut the animals in peace and walked in the trail of blood. Job said, I got a covenant with my eyes. Remember, what did Jesus say? If your eye offends you, he was talking about looking upon a woman to adultery, pluck it out. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I will, I will pluck my eye out before I let my eye get me in trouble. And he was saying this, that if my if my eyes leave my thoughts wrong, I know God is watching me and God's going to get me. OK, sexual integrity at the thought level. Now, let's look at verses five through eight. If I had walked with falsehood or if my foot had hastened to deceit, let my let me be weighed in honest balances that God may know my integrity. Verse seven says, if my steps had turned from the way or my heart walked after my eyes or if any spot adheres to my hands, then let me sow and another eat. Let my harvest be rooted out. He said, listen, listen, listen. I never let myself. I never let the devil talk me into lies and those lies get me off the right path. What did Jesus say? All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life. I didn't let stuff lead me on the wrong way and follow wrong stuff. All right. Now let's look at. Verses nine to 12, sexual integrity in action. If my heart had been enticed by a woman. Strange woman. If I let something if I if I stopped, if I looked at her too long. And then I start to say, man, she she making me feel good about me. All right. My heart had been enticed by a woman or if I had lurked at my neighbor's door. 
what, what do you mean? He lurked at your neighbor's door like, like David did with Uriah. That's what he's talking about because he's saying, I got the same kind of money to do it. I sat as a king among them. Nobody would be able to stop me if I did it. But look at his internal code. Look at verse 10. Then let my wife grind for another and let others bow down over her, for that would be wickedness. Yet it, yes, it would be iniquity deserving of judgment, for that would be a fire that consumes to destruction and would root out all my increase. Job had this system where he understood that holiness protected his prosperity. Isn't that interesting? Now, some people saying, you saying gain is godliness. He didn't say gain was godliness. He said that I got some gain and my godliness protects it. There's a lot of brothers that would tell you today, it's cheaper to zipper. Okay, okay, all right. Now let's look at his labor relations in, chapter, in verses 13 through 15. If I had despised the cause of my male or female servant when they complained against me, what then shall I do when God rises up when he punishes, how shall I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? Oh, he said, I don't treat my hired help bad. If they got a real issue, if there is a real concern, I'm going to really value it because if I don't value them, when they come to me, what am I going to do when I come to God with my real issues? This man, listen, Job was really living right. If he was just saying this and God hadn't testified about it in Job 1, then I wouldn't pay any attention. But Job is saying this is when he said I'm, I'm blameless and upright. He's saying this is my living code. This is my living code. OK, now let's look at verses 16 to 20. How did he do charitable donations? And he says, if I have kept the poor from their desire or caused the eyes of the widow to fail or eaten my morsel by myself so that the fatherless could not eat it. But from my youth, I reared him as a father. From my youth, I reared him as a father. Even when I was young and still and coming up in business, I was still taking care of people. And wait till I got it all made. I was even doing it when I was young. All right. And from my mother's womb, I guided the widow. So even as a child, he's saying, I always have a heart to do good by people. Verse um, 19, if I, had, if I have seen anyone perishing for lack of clothing or any poor man without covering, if his heart has not blessed me and if he was not worn with the fleece of my sheep. All right. So he was saying, listen, all of these things are things that I did. I, he was very charitable with the wealth that God had given him. He wasn't just looking out for him and his family. He was also blessing people in his community. Amen. Look at verse 21 through 23, equity and justice in courts. If I have raised my hand against the fatherless, when I saw I had help in the gate, in the gate, in the gate, the gate there didn't just mean the door. The gate was the seat of authority. You were judged in the gate. When he said I had help in the gate, he was saying, he was saying the same thing people say today. 
that the justice system was biased in my favor, but I didn't take it to my favor to hurt people. Look at verse 22. Then let my arm fall from my shoulder and let my arm be torn from my socket for destruction from God is a terror to me. And because of his magnificence, I cannot endure. Now look at verse 24 through 28, that he possessed wealth, but was not deceived by riches. Verse 24 says, if I have made gold my hope or said to find gold, you are my confidence. If I have rejoiced because my wealth was great and because my hand had gained much. If I have observed the sun when it shines or the moon moving in brightness. So that my heart has been secretly enticed and my mouth has kissed my hand. This also would be an iniquity deserving of judgment for I would have denied God who is from above. Remember, um, remember the account of of uh, the king Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about this big tree. And uh, the tree was growing up and all of the it was the biggest tree in the whole earth. And then he has he has his he has his servants to interpret the dream. Nobody could. But Daniel and Daniel said, the tree is you, O king. You know, God has made you, made your kingdom the biggest, the baddest, the mostest in the whole earth. You know, but then God said, let it be cut down seven years and then it'll come back to him. And then at the end of it, the scripture says he did good for a while because of what Daniel has said. But then he was walking through his palace and says, is this not great Babylon that I have gained by the might of my power? And when he said it. He heard the voice from heaven saying, for seven years, you're going to be gone and you're going to be like a beast. And then you'll come back and your heart will come back to you and then you'll be get, get your throne back and you'll worship God because you'll know God is the one who gives grace to one and sets down another. But that thing that Job was saying, that thing that makes you feel like when you're in your own, it makes you want to congratulate yourself. He said, I won't even do it, even though I got a bunch of stuff. I got a bunch of stuff, but my stuff don't got me. All right. And so that's that's what that's what he was saying here. Now, look at verse 29 through 30, not wishing ill on his enemy, which we called witchcraft. And he said, if I have rejoiced at the direct destruction of him who hated me or lifted myself up when evil found him. Indeed, I have not allowed my mouth to sin. I have not allowed my mouth to sin by asking for a curse on his soul. That's some good preaching, Pastor David, because when we get in trouble, sometimes get them, Jesus, get them, get them, Jesus. Get them, cut them down. All right. Job was like, listen. God is the only one that can love and punish at the same time. So I just leave it in his hand. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Lord, I'm going to let you handle that. I got to keep my heart right. <laughs> I got to keep my heart pure and my spirit sweet, right? I can't, I can't afford to try to come back. I let God handle them. Because if I'm not careful, I'll be starting, I'll try to start to pray curses on people. Because I'm hurt. And I'll ask God to hurt them because they hurt me. When God tells me to forgive them, he'll take care of that. 
And what they did to me can't stop me from my destiny. But what I say about them and do about them can hurt me from my own destiny. Unforgiveness is drinking poison, waiting for the other person to die. All right, let's look at um, verse 31, 32, kindness to, to your staff and to strangers. Verse 31 says, if the men of my tent have not said, who is there that has not been that has not been satisfied with me? But no sojourner had to lodge in the street, for I have opened my doors to the traveler. So he was kind to his staff, making sure they had enough, but he was also kind to strangers. There was no hotel industry per se, but he said, I opened my mouth to the, tra I opened my lodge to the travelers and made sure they had a place to stay. They traveling through my country. Hey, one of Job's houses. Now they probably didn't stay in the big house, but they had a place to stay. They had something to eat and he looked out for it. Look at verses 33 and 34. I think these verses here are some real powerful ones in my own estimation. Look at verse 33 and 34, what I call holiness and civic righteousness despite public opinion. If I have covered my transgressions as Adam by hiding iniquity, hiding my iniquity in my bosom, which means he said, I didn't cover him. What did Adam? Adam tried to cover himself, hide with fig leaves, run from God. He said, I didn't do that. I didn't hide iniquity in my bosom. Now look at verse 34. Because I feared the great multitude and dreaded the contempt of families so that I kept silence and did not go out of the door. So that I kept silence and did not go out of the door. Now watch this. Let's stop this one for a second. Sometimes God's dealing with you on something and then he's telling you to make it. Public. I don't know. I mean, you know, God, I, how, what about a private forgiveness? <laughs> you know, you done made a public mess and now you want you on private forgiveness. I'm just saying I'm mad at nobody, but bro, you done made a mess in public. Now you're going to have to fix it or, you know. If people sin, they, they want to get all out in public with it. We coming out the closet. But then you taking a stand for righteousness and they want you to be quiet. They want you to stay in the closet. They want to come out. They want you to go in. I'm doing right. I will go in the closet to pray because he'll meet me in a secret place, but he's going to reward me openly. And I don't care if you don't like it or not. He said he didn't let he didn't let. Social media hashtags and posts drive him from being who he was when he was in public. Listen, you know, I think one of the last ones I have a shirt that I wear, particularly when I'm and it says, I love my wife. Now, that shouldn't be controversial as people look at you like, mm -hmm. I don't care what you think about it. I'm, I married her. I love her. Don't let people drive you from your perfect stand, your 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 righteous stand, because they they have contempt for it. You understand what I mean when I say that? All right. Now let's look at 35 through 37. His appeal to the Creator. So he wasn't taking his matters in his own hand. Verse 35 says, "Oh that I had one to hear me. Here is my mark. Oh that the Almighty would answer me." 
My prosecutor had written a book. Surely I would carry it on my shoulder and bind it on me like a crown. I would declare to him the number of my steps like a prince. I would approach him. Now look at verse 38 through 40. We'll see fairness in dealing with business partners and good stewardship over property. And it says, if my land cries out against me and its furrows, which means the rows that were prepared for sowing seed and its furrows wheat together, if I have eaten its fruit without money or caused its owners to lose their lives, then let thistles grow instead of wheat and weeds instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. He just had, right, Pastor, why you love this Job thing? Because I read this and I was like, man, this dude, his character in private and public matters and how he dealt with people in the midst of all of the wealth that he was managing, that's one of the most detailed descriptions of a code of righteousness that I've seen in scripture. You agree with me on that? Okay, you, you understand why this thing about being upright is so important to me and, and, and understanding the Job 31 man to me is a great, just a great model, a, gro a great role model of a person who had courage, chivalry, ability, and substance in the right proportion and manage them in the right way to the point that God testified. Now let's go over to Job 42, last chapter of Job, just so that we don't end it with him still sick. I'll feel better in Jesus' name. It's gospel, so I always got to end with some good news. We see the end of Job and his multi-generational prosperity. And we'll just read through this real quick and be done. Then Job answered the Lord and and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Faith comes by hearing and he heard of God. But now my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And it was so after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Before I go any further, before I go any further, let me just stop here for a second and say a few things about the book of Job. Okay, if, if Old Testament were red letters, those words would be in red. You have not spoken of me rightly like my servant Job has. Sometimes people go into the book of Job, find some of the statements of his three friends and quote them like God said them when God in the last verse, in the last chapter, rebuked his three friends. So whatever they said, you look at that stuff and you, you, you wink your eye at it. So I don't know if this is really God speaking just because it's in the Bible. Because God told him, y'all didn't speak right about me. Now, Job got in his feelings and then began to speak above his pay grade about stuff he didn't understand. But God didn't rebuke him the same way. He just says, where was you when I did all of this? Go back and read the rest of them. 
Okay. But he said, some of the stuff y'all said about me was just flat out wrong. And he got angry about it. So just watch it when somebody go to Book of Job and start quoting stuff like, hold it, hold it, hold up, bro. Some of the stuff you quoting might you quoting it like it's God when it just might be Job's friends. I'm just saying that's just a theological point. Because sometimes people. I'm trying to put the text in God's context. God has said some of the stuff these brothers said is wrong. So when I read what they said, I read it as testimony of what was said, but I'm not reading it as if God has approved it because in the end of it, he didn't. Amen. OK. Just some theology there. Verse verse eight. So God is upset with them, and now he requires of them, because they sinned in God's eyes and he's angry, he requires of them and Job's intercession to be made right with God. Now, therefore, take for yourself seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job, my servant Job, and offer for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly. So whatever they said from God's perspective was foolish because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So there, there is, before we go on to the next one, go on, um, just stop here for a second. Before we, um, there is something said by Job's three friends about God that was not right. So just because you read some stuff in the book of Job and it said God such and such, some of that stuff ain't right because God rebuked it at the end. Amen? Okay. So I'm just saying, don't let somebody just start shoveling stuff at you from the book of Job saying this is God's character because I quote in the book of Job. Hold it, bro. Make sure you're not quoting one of the three friends that got rebuked at the end. They got to get prayed out of it. God got angry with him. Don't make him angry with you saying that this is God. I'm just saying, preachers, praise the Lord. Now look at verse 9. So Eliphaz the Timonite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Naamathite went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. So Job was an intercessor. Now, his intercession for them blessed him. His intercession for them blessed him. Look at it in verse 10. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Up until he prayed for his friends, he was still sick. Sometimes you got to do ministry to other people while you still in the midst of your own pain. Job had to pray for his friends while he was still sick. Joseph interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker while he himself was still in prison. Jesus blessed the thief on the cross to get into paradise while he himself was still suffering on a cross. Sometimes you're going to have to bless other people while you yourself are still going through. And sometimes they stuff might turn before yours. That'll, that'll mess with your head, but that's part of the ministry gig, okay? Um, he restored his losses when he prayed for his ten. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. As I like to say, he gave him double for his trouble. Now look at verse 11. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances, acquaintances before 
came to him and ate food with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Oh, praise the Lord. Come on, bring me a love offering in Jesus' name. Verse 42, for now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of 1,000 female donkeys. He also had a second set of children, seven sons and three daughters, because the first set had died, right? Now, listen to this one, because um, it is rare, it is rare, it is rare in Old Testament that, the, that women are named. Men are named all the time. But it's rare that women are named. And they're named because, A, they was the finest women around. <laughs> it says it. And Jesus, I just want you to be, like, I like to be in faith for what's in Scripture. I'm just saying, if God gave it, if I walk upright, no good thing he withhold from me that walk upright. Like, if I walk upright like Joe walk upright, then he can do for my daughters what he did for them, in Jesus' name. Um, and then Job gave these women an inheritance before the first set, the brothers had the houses, the sisters didn't have, they didn't say they had to have, they didn't have nothing, but this set, these sisters got as much as the brothers did. Let's look at it. And he called the first, the name of the first Jemima, the second Keziah and, and the name of the third Karen Hapuk. People have told me about these names. You should do a study on them. It really does say something about the character and, and who they were. In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And this Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. That there is a man of destiny. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right.